Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at K.com slash TrueFans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game, numbers, and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm this, 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 this the, the real deal. And you know I got a shout out to Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max. Sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the uh, Buffalo Nerd. Uh, I think this makes like 15, 16, somewhere in there. Uh, so I'm super excited again uh, to get to chat with another uh, new person on the other end of this. Uh, yep, you guys are lucky again. Um, I managed to find another human being that was willing to talk football with me for another day. So it's actually, uh, this is 5.11 we're recording on, right? So you guys will hear this uh, on Friday when uh, we post this out. But this week, that's uh, pretty cool because uh, not only um, is it a Jacksonville Jaguar fan on the other end um it's also a lady that has uh, played some football herself and uh is pretty badass i mean i i didn't play football so i mean that's pretty badass to me um so i'm joined by Lori fitzpatrick this week uh so before i get too into uh telling everything about you Lori, why don't you go ahead and kind of take the floor and let, let everybody know a little bit about yourself yeah so um for one thank you so much for having me um i'm i'm excited to kind of talk about a little bit of the bills and and some of the other topics that we have scheduled. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I used to play women's professional football. I played for the IWFL. I played for the WFA. So they're like the top uh, women's leagues. Uh, it's all tackle, tackle NFL uh, rules, not college rules, NFL rules. Um, so, you know, you can't motion uh, two people at the same time. So little things like that, two feet in. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I learned a lot about football from uh, from you know, playing the game and having to watch film and realizing how crucial film is to the game. Um, so uh, I just, you know, pretty much fell in love with the sport um, even more so after I was playing. And uh, and I began kind of on Twitter, just like tweeting and breaking down film and everything else. So 
you know, just been a, it's been a fun ride ever since, ever since I started playing uh, a couple years ago. So, uh, you know, now I'm retired and I'm, I'm ready to just talk about the game nonstop. So thank you so much for having me and finding me on Twitter, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you can come on and chat because I think it's cool. Uh, not only it's cool that you played, but right. It's a, it's, I enjoy having the female perspective of the game on too. And it's also right now, I, I mean, it, I brought you on a lot too because uh, Jacksonville had some pretty big changes just happen here recently, right? They could really change the future of the franchise, which I want to get kind of the buzz in the you know the local community there. But besides that, I mean, you also uh, you write a little bit. You got your own podcast too, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. do all sorts of other things outside of that since you've uh, hung the cleats up a little bit. So very cool. Uh, I'm thankful for having you on. Uh, your podcast is that um, that's it's called. Uh, Ponytails and pigskins is that is that what it is right yeah ponytails talking pigskins talking uh, pigskins that's what it is right yeah but it's only one ponytail and I mostly have my hair down so I'm not really <laughs> living up to to the title here but no I I love the title of my podcast it's like my favorite thing about it honestly yeah how <laughs> long yeah, have on- you been doing your podcast. Uh, well, I started in 2017 just on SoundCloud, and then I kind of moved over to YouTube a couple months ago. So I've been posting like videos of like certain players, like kind of like scouting them, but giving my own opinion. Uh, people like to hear my opinion, so I'm just like, hey, might as well just do whatever comes to my mind. So um, yeah, I did a lot on the Senior Bowl, posted a couple videos, and. I'm having trouble posting a video right now, but um, I'm I'm having a, uh, a Trevor Lawrence video go up in the next couple hours on my YouTube channel. So, so yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. Uh, so you uh you obviously love the game. You're invested in it. Uh, I mean, you you watch a lot of the game. You played the game. So I'm excited to get uh, your opinion on uh, Jacksonville when we really dive into it and to hear what you think about the Bills and the AFC in general, really, because I think we saw quite a bit of change this offseason so far and what the AFC can bring. But before we really uh, dive too much into that, uh, we like to bring up, you know, a charity every week here on The Nerd, uh, you know, to highlight and let people know about, you know, that there's other things going on around us that, um, you know, if you got time, energy, money, any of the above, you know there's ways to help out uh you know just sharing your word and stuff so this week uh, Lori chose curecp.org which um obviously hits pretty close to home for me obviously because uh, my crew that i'm running with this year is the cerebral palsy foundation all right so they're both cp related um but Lori, why don't you go ahead and tell me uh, what brought you to curecp today uh, so my nephew has uh, has CP, so it's something that um you know we've been kind of dealing with over the last four years, and he's really young, and it's something that I've ever experienced before. So um, Cure CP is they they kind of they try to go like the therapeutic route, um, and they try to see you know what new methods they can use to kind of just make your daily life a little bit better. So um, I've been researching a lot of different uh, charities, and that one. I feel like resonates with me the most. So that, that's why I picked a uh, cure PC or CP. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, when we were touching base offline, you had told me that about your nephew, you know, obviously uh, my son Calvin has CP. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's older, he's 13, you know, compared to your nephew at four, but it is um, when you first 
you know, kind of find out about it and you're, you know, you're getting through it. It's like you want to find places to get information and you want to find, you know, places that you can find in research. I mean, especially for like folks like ourselves. I mean, you're into numbers and scouting and looking at the details of things. Right. So it's nice to have a place to go and research, to, to get knowledge and, you know, that know that there's people doing research on that kind of stuff. And that's what, you know, Cure CP does as well. Right. I mean, there's very similar to the Cerebral Palsy Foundation. It's a lot of research. Right. It's a lot of trying to figure out what even causes this stuff to take place, um, you know, and things like that. So, yeah, and it's really, cool. really detecting it earlier, earlier and earlier that that's that's really, the, you know, the main focus for me. Yeah. When did they um, diagnose your nephew? How early um, I would say like probably within the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which is good. I mean, Calvin was at like nine months when they when they first identified it. So that's I mean, that's really cool, especially for, um, you know, kids when they can't obviously tell you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're just you're watching a baby move around. Like, is that what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're yeah. a baby. Right. So it's like. Uh, mm -hmm. What is it? What is it? And then you find out and it's like, oh, OK, it's it's something completely different. You know, my aunt also had it. Um, you know, she she spent most of her life in a wheelchair. So there's different you know, there's different versions of it. Um, there's different magnitudes of it. So it's uh, it's very cool. I really you know, obviously I like talking about my charity. So anytime that somebody else's charity aligns with it, too, it's very cool. So uh, I've got to see some pictures of your nephew. It's cool, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, we've you've been able to connect on a different level. So and obviously, um Every time we like always, you know, all the stuff where you can connect with Cure CP will be in the show notes, all that kind of stuff. You know, if you guys head over there, just check them out, you know, share it out to somebody else. If you can donate, you know, that's awesome, too. Right. So very cool. So let's chat a little bit because there's like this thing happened recently where Jacksonville, you know, so they fired Doug Marone. So let me kind of start there. What, what was your yeah. opinion of Doug Marone? Because, you know, he was with the Bills. Right. So I have, I have yeah. an opinion of Doug. Right. So I'm sure you do. What's, what's your opinion of Doug Marone? Uh, he should have got fired sooner. Yeah, you think? Yes, absolutely. Just um, purely, do you think he's just that bad of a coach, or would you not put any of it on that the team has just kind of never really been that good? Or are you also putting that kind of on the coach a little bit that the team's not that good? Yeah, like it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? So um, he does not add any value to a young team whatsoever. He's kind of like very nonchalant. And like may, they they say, you know, with Doug, that's just that's not how he is in the locker room. Um, but I don't see a personality changing much from press conferences to the locker room. Like what? They got to lose 10 games in order for you to get hype in front of the press. Like, nah, man, I don't I don't see how he acts much different. And that's not that's not going to that's not the road to success. So I feel like even, you know, he, he had to get. Like the free agency and everything was the only thing that got him to 2017. Um, and his players really had to play above and beyond because I just feel like he didn't put the correct pieces together to, to make it happen. He just did it. So I, I just didn't like him as a coach at all. Yeah. I Doug, to me, like I, I thought he was a decent coach for a, a long while there and he just kind of fell in the wrong places and things like that. But as far as innovation and things of that nature, yeah, he's not really he's not really a, that great of a coach in that and, aspect. And let me say, I, I, I want <clears throat> to correct myself. And when I say head coach, because maybe he's a good like defensive line coach or, or offensive right. coach or, you know, a specialty. But as a head coach, he just he shouldn't be there, in, in my opinion only. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, he he's uh, even in Buffalo, he was blah with a lot of his stuff. Right. He he never really got worked up, down, anything like that. But it's funny because you always hear in the background that people in the football world just think that he's a good football coach. Right. And that he he was very capable of doing it. But so the times change, he gets moved on. And then you see you're getting to bring in, you know, this kid that's never lost a regular season game, right? You know, in ever, right? So he's coming in, he gets drafted, and then he gets aligned with Urban. So what's your what's your stance on Urban early on? Um, so so far, um, I just have I have I just have to have you just have to have faith, honestly, because uh he's not someone that ever coached in the NFL. Uh, so it's really tough uh, to kind of tell. I mean, even if he did coach in the NFL, people change. So you can't say, oh, you know, you would use the pass against them. Um, but this guy has had nothing but success. So um, I kind of just have to trust, you know, what he's put together. Um, I ha- I'm not really 100% happy with, you know, the holes in the roster still. Um, but I think that he... I think that coaching sometimes can overcome uh, like lack, lack of depth or or just lack of overall skill. Um, you know, when you can when you can put the the players in a position to win, they don't have to be the best. You know what I mean? So yep. so maybe that's like kind of like the t- the take that I have. Um, like in in terms of the safety position on defense and and like interior defensive linemen and then also like the tight end position um like we didn't the jags didn't have i can't say we but the jags didn't have a tight end uh until you know this news broke recently but uh but yeah i was really hoping that they would pick up a stellar tight end and free agency or at least in the draft and and they they didn't really they, they picked up guy from ohio state luke farrell Right. Yeah. That was the thing for me is when they, I get, you know, you get Lawrence at one, right? Like you're not, there's no reason to move off of that realistically. Right. Like even it feels a little weird, right. Cause urban could be like, well, Justin Fields is available and I've recruited him and he played for me. And I feel like maybe he's the guy that should be in my system. Right. But they're like, we have number one pick in this kid's like all world that we're looking at. Right. So you're going to get him. And it's like, okay, I'll take the all world QB. Right. Sure. But then you go and you get his running back too, which was, it felt a little weird to me, right? I've, cause I'm, I'm with you. Not only is urban doing his first time in the NFL. Now we're going to take urban with his first time in the NFL, line up Lawrence with his first time in the NFL. And then the back behind him could potentially be the guy that it's his first time in the NFL too. That's a lot of like youth and starting with fresh things. Now I get the kid is phenomenal, right? He's a great player. And, but I agree with you a little bit. There's a lot of holes that I felt like maybe you should have held off on the running back and just gave Robinson another season to see if it's truly the truth and get somebody a little bit later on to help maybe be the guy. But I mean, it's hard to pass on all world talent and it's hard to pass on putting two kids that have been playing football together for three years. But where do you, where do you stand on that? Uh, I would say it's more the latter of what you just said, like those two guys playing together for the last three years. Um, It has to be comfortability um, because in terms of like skill level, I I can't say skill level because obviously he was, he, he, he's, he's a good running back, like good that that's it um, in my opinion. Um, But apparently he didn't get drafted to be the running back. 
he got drafted to go into the slot to catch the ball, um, you know, to do different things on the outside. Uh, so that's what I'm hoping he's going to be placed because James Robinson had a stellar year last year. Um, I don't see how, you know, why you would take so much away from him uh, when he still has a lot to go, um, except for the fact that Trevor can use a guy in the locker room that he's had by his side for the last, you know, three years. And, and that mesh point is really important to get down your, you know, your rookie year. So when you're handing the ball off, how comfortable are you doing it? You know, like I remember when I was a running back, the very first handoff, I fumbled. Um, and uh, so I never fumbled again after that. And I played five years of football. Um, but I had to sit there with the quarterback after our practices and just take handoffs from her nonstop and getting like really getting comfortable with like her height and my height and like just getting that like that mesh point as one. Um, and then so that's one thing that they don't have to worry about. So that's great. Um, I just don't like his skill set in general. Um, like they didn't really pick up an offensive lineman until like later on in the draft. And then you're going to pick up a running back who isn't really that great at pass protection when he has to pick up a blitz. He, he can't really do it and you see it on film. So like those things just have me worried. Why the heck would you pick ETN? Um, but once again, I'm going back, circling back to my very first comment. It's, it's kind of about trust, um, with urban and just trusting what his vision is and putting him to the outside and, and kind of like just adjusting the, in, just about adjustments. So the first half they use ETN in this way. And then the second half of the game, they motion them out and do something completely different, which can throw the defense of all through the defense off. So I'm just like kind of trusting urban at this point, uh, you know, with, with the whole ETN pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talk about him, you know, in Buffalo at 30, right. I mean, leading up to the draft, that was kind of the name that was flying around. There's a Buffalo should go after him. Buffalo's going to go after him. They just need a running really? back. They need a running back. Right. You guys didn't, didn't even get a running, as a running back. I didn't really view him as a running back either. I view him as a weapon, right? You just, you, you put him somewhere on the field and you give him the ball because yeah, he, in Buffalo, especially he wasn't going to get 15, 20 carries a game, right? He was just, he would have got maybe like five carries. So you've got to find other ways to utilize a guy that you just used, picked up at 30, you know, that's pretty high value for a guy that you're not really going to use that much. So I, I yeah. viewed him as a weapon as well. It'll be interesting to see how aggressive they get with him and see what he can do. Cause I have heard some of the knocks like you just mentioned of pass protection needs some work. Um, he, he does seem to kind of have a hard time finding the hole interior wise. Uh, you know, I've seen a little bit of, um, but it's, it's exciting. And I, I, I would agree with you that I've never seen it work in the NFL, which is why it, flags me right saying ah yeah like ah that's never worked right but we've seen all things in the nfl work and come out of nowhere right like bill belichick's two tight ends changes everything or you know like so bringing in a back and i love that you brought up all the familiarity stuff because i'm a big fan of on the offensive line especially like camaraderie the continuity so i I, in you actually being a running back and bringing up the point about heights and doing all that kind of stuff it, it that is a little reassuring uh, but I don't like stealing it away from James Robinson, though, after what I saw he did last year. And I feel like he could do it again. Yeah. And well, the, the something else that kind of keeps me uh, 
keeps me grounded, I guess you could say, about the whole topic uh, would be the offensive coordinator that they brought in. Uh, so Daryl Bevel used to uh, used to be with the Seattle Seahawks, uh, which is pretty much an exact offense like Jacksonville has. You know, the, the style of the QB um, and the types of receivers that they have that can be you know, that dual threat slasher, you know, Percy Harvin was on there. Um, and then they also picked up the uh, the passing game coordinator, uh, Brian Schottenheimer. So that's what they labeled him as. So um, I think that, you know, their, their experience in the NFL, like Schottenheimer was with so many teams. And then, like, yeah. I think his dad is Marty or was that his yeah. uncle? I'm not sure. It's his dad. Yeah, I think it's his dad. Yeah, and so like just kind of being in the NFL for that long, and and being able to kind of like like come up with new things that maybe worked back then, or just like just having that experience, I think maybe they can just do something innovative that you know we're we're not gonna we have never seen before, uh, yeah. and you know that's the faith I have. <laughs> well, I mean in. And the kid is good, right? I mean, Lawrence is supposed to be really good. So, I mean, you're ultimately are going to have the ability to just give him an option to play the best he can play, right? And that might be enough in some games. We don't know. We've seen it work sometimes, but realistically in the NFL, it feels like you need a team most of the time to be super successful. And it sounds to me like Urban, I didn't know that he had brought those guys in, but it sounds like he's really bringing in a lot of guys that have done it a lot longer than him at the NFL level to really make sure that he's prepared for that level, which is good to hear. So you mentioned, an, uh, excuse me, another hole a little bit earlier that you guys just filled. What, I've heard some things about Tebow that maybe it's a little more associated with also trying to groom Lawrence a little bit into the system um, that Urban likes to run. Or do you think that they're truly bringing Tebow in to compete to be the tight end? Ooh, uh, well, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, uh, it's 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 a tough topic man it's it's like it's something where i think i jumped on two podcasts like in the last 48 hours and that was that took up like the whole podcast it's just like talking about tebow and it's just like guys you know you're, you're giving this guy a chance who was like the number one competitor in college and he he lives down the street now from urban meyer urban meyer bought a house a couple months ago that and Basically, Tim Tebow was his neighbor. So he's just in his ear nonstop. And, and Urban was trying to convert him to tight end when he entered the NFL. And Tebow was like, no, no, no. So this is something where, like, he's wanted to be a tight end. Um, so maybe it's a little, like, let's see what he can do because the, the whole – in the tight end position is certainly like it's huge. They, they don't have a receiving tight end. They just don't, they don't have it. Um, and so, you know, his skill set being a ball carrier is just like, he can be a tank man. So once he kind of catches the ball, I think, you know, th they're going to see how well he's going to do. And I know that some of these guys are going to be head hunting though. There's already tweets from players that are like, oh, can't wait till we play Jacksonville. We get to see Tim Tebow. We're going to knock his head off. And <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God, I'm a little scared. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's, it's when I heard it, it's just kind of the first thing that came to my mind was just like, it's amazing that this guy can keep like sticking around professional sports like this, right? Like he's like, he doesn't make it in football the first time. So then he starts playing baseball and then he's like doing the baseball thing. And then it's like, ah, the and he baseball was in Meyer thing League. failed. 
Yeah, he Two. did the minor league thing, and then that didn't work out, and then now he's like, yeah, I'm going back to the NFL. It's just like it, that, the only piece of it that bugs me a little bit, too, is like all these guys that have been trying and trying and trying to get on football teams, right? And you're telling me that there's not some guy that's out there grinding at the position right now that's probably better than Tim Tebow that should be on your football team? You know, that that's the kind of other piece of it, of it yeah. to me is kind of a little eh. But the only thing why I don't really agree with, or I can't say I not agree because it's that that's definitely true. Um, but I just feel like Urban doesn't want to take the chance on somebody that has has never even met him before when he knows what Tebow can do. And it's his first year, like Urban's first year. And he knows, right. you know, let me let me give this guy a chance, because imagine if he brought in some tight end that nobody knows and he just sucked. And it's like, once again, I mean, that can happen now with Tebow, too. But um, at the same time, like people are going to give Tebow maybe a, uh, you know, they're going to. They're going to maybe not be so hard on him because he's converting positions. It's not like he brought him in to be a quarterback. He brought right. him in to be a tight end. So I, I, I just don't see like, why not? Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know why they won't sign somebody else. Um, there, there's really, it's just about comfortability. Um, in urban, he didn't like Pat Fearmouth or whatever his last name is from Penn State, which I thought he he's a great tight end, mm -hmm. but he didn't pick him up, um, which is kind of confusing because he can go vertical, he can block, um, but he's also new at drafting. He said like he he wanted to know why he couldn't just bundle up a bunch of picks in the sixth and seventh round and then go up and trade up. In, in the draft to get like more first round picks. And, you know, his staff members were explaining to him that like, you know, how much value you can get at that level and the depth. And like, he kind of like was just taking it all in this year. I just think he kind of didn't know what to do. He didn't want to make a drastic move. So he was like, okay, let's just stick in the places that we had. And there weren't any guys that if he, if he, if he drafted them, then it would be a reach. And like, you know, so he, I don't know. It's just, I would say it's comfortability and and that's all, man. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I really like that tight end too. Pittsburgh, I think, got a steal in him. I think he's going to be a great tight end. Him not playing his senior year definitely like hurt him. You know, not having film, but his film from his junior year is he's a really good looking tight end. I was hoping he'd some, somehow find his way in Buffalo, you know, fall, and he, he just happened to scoop him up because I think he's going to be a stud. So, so let's let's we're going to talk about the AFC a little bit and kind of wander around. But since you guys have made these moves and with some of the other stuff you did this off season, just sticking with your division right off the bat because Houston seems to be in you know kind of in shambles. Um, you know, Indianapolis looks like they're going to have a good football team again this year. It's going to hinge quite a bit on how well Wentz performs right but uh, they look good Tennessee lost quite a lot I, I think Tennessee really kind of took more of a hit than a lot of people are really talking about on how many players they lost in free agency and things like that but where do you think you guys would fall right now if you were just going to throw throw division rank out like where do you guys think you rank right now uh, I honestly I think they I think they could do pretty well um, you know they may be third uh, but I think there's a good chance that they could they could uh, you know land in second place uh, just if you know the stars align and and these new players really pick up the playbook um, and uh, these DBs don't pick off Trevor as much as as much as I'm envisioning um, I think you know the stars could align year one and then they could end up you know getting to second place I think there's a good chance yeah I, I'm I maybe optimistic but. 
No, I mean, I would agree with that because I think part of it, too, is going to be that you don't know what you're going to get from the Jaguars this year. So they might be able to get a good three, four victories in the beginning of the season before people even kind of catch up to what they're going to try to do. Right. You never, yeah. you never really know. But I, I would agree with that because I think the Texans are in such bad shape that it really it's the Colts. And then if you might be able to beat a Tennessee or this year, depending on how, how much they really lost. Yeah, I would say the toughest thing is really just stopping their their backfield. Um, and the Jaguars are switching to like a 3-4 hybrid this year. So that would be the only reason why they wouldn't beat them is if they just can't get the defense like cohesive enough to stop the, you know, the two-headed monster back there. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh but people people forget that the Jaguars literally like tanked last year. They switched up their quarterback every two games. So yeah, their record was one in fifteen or one in sixteen, but they weren't that low. Like their talent level is higher than that. They they wanted to go for Trevor. So right. um I don't think you can really say that they're as bad as what their record was. So moving around to like, uh, let's move over to the Bills a little bit then and see uh, what the, what did you think after the Bills draft? Did they do anything that you thought was like, oh, okay, that makes the Bills that much better? Or did you just view it as kind of, okay, the Bills just, they're still a good football team, but uh, I don't know that they made the leap that they need to make. Um, No, I mean, I, I like their picks. The only thing is, um, you know, they went – they got those two uh, offensive tackles, uh, like back to back. Is that something that you guys really, really needed? Um, you know, because yeah, so like they, I just look, feel like there were some other guys there on the board. Yeah, so they t- ended up with four four interior guys, two on each side of the ball, right? So they took two okay. DEs and then they took two tackles. One, they took two Ds, one, two, and then took a tackle at three, and then the second tackle came at five. Um, but yeah, they. They really made a move towards the youth side of it, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because their two DNs right now are like 32 and 33. So, I mean, that that side of it, you could see. I mean, the interior depth is always something that they just Brandon Bean is always looking for interior depth. And I think just getting the youth is interesting. Um, The right tackle position for us right now is actually they re-signed Burrell Williams this offseason who had a great season. But the way they structured his contract, he's actually could be out after this season. So one of these guys could realistically be the starting right tackle next season moving forward if that if that's the way it works out. Um, Williams, he he, you know, he's been in the league for five years. He had four rough years with Carolina and came in and played a great season with the Bills enough to sign a, a three-year deal. But I, I don't know that you can bank on all three of those years are going to be successful. So I can agree with the interior moves, and honestly, I don't know that we had that many holes. So I don't know that you could go wrong just grabbing young depth on the line and seeing what happens. Yeah, no, that that's definitely true. And, you know, Josh Allen has really, like, stepped it up, uh, honestly. So just getting guys to protect him and just reassure, you know, his, his health in general is, is always, like, a you-can't-go-wrong type of deal. Um, I just, you know, I, I do wish they picked up a running back, though, too. Um, but – you know they they got they got a full house back there, so you know it's going to be a competition. And yeah, they say the, the running back position is going away anyway. So right or whatever <laughs> it's going to be, right? I mean, I I feel like they Matt Breida was the running back draft pick when they brought him in in free agency right here before the draft started. I feel like he that was the that was the running back draft pick. They were like, yes, we need to get we need a body, we need a body that comes with some speed, um, but. 
I don't know that we necessarily have anybody in the draft that we really want to go after, even though there's a couple guys that I think they could have. It, it to me felt like they were competent with they're happy with the room already. They just spent three, you know, two third round picks back to back seasons and now come in and draft another running back this season. It really kind of makes it look like you just you have no concept of what you're doing with the running back. And so I, I, I wasn't surprised when they didn't do it. Um, I think that we probably, I like Breed actually. I don't know that he's going to be the game changer. Uh, I think it's going to be more of continuity on the line and maybe addressing the way we run the football. Um, but the way Josh Allen plays right now, I don't know that we care to run that much. So I don't know that there's always going to be that need for the running back either. Yeah, true. And, and you did pick up another weapon on the outside um, who I really like, uh, yeah. Marcus Stevenson. Yep. So I, that's going to be just another guy, you know, for Josh to throw to. So it's, yeah, I thought it's pretty exciting. when he got drafted, he was going to be the uh, he was going to be our new kick return guy. I, I thought he might he might make that that might be his way to get on this football team because we did just lose uh, you know Andre Roberts, who's a phenomenal kick returner and punt returner. Uh, but yeah, Tyler Dune actually had written a really great article on Stevens, uh, and, you know, just about his background and everything like that. So it was, it was cool that he got drafted by us. Cause I'd got done reading that article about his background and everything. And was just like, it, he's got a cool story. So yeah, I'm excited to see him too. And he's a blazer. I mean, he's got speed. Yeah. Or, so yeah, fast. it should be very and, exciting. And height isn't really anything you need to be concerned about nowadays, especially with this draft. Everybody was like, I feel like everybody was under six foot. It was yeah. It was a smaller, it was a smaller group for sure this year. Let me ask you um, about since you're in the state of uh, Florida, there. Um, what is uh, what's your take on Tua and the Dolphins? You think they're they're capable of challenging Buffalo this year? Uh, mm, that's tough because they couldn't even get it together on their own roster last year. Uh, they couldn't decide who they wanted back there because I remember when they replaced Tua and in the middle of the game, and he wasn't hurt. Honestly, like I remember watching that game and they were like, oh, no, he's just, you know, he's he's back in the game and uh, he's 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 fine. He's not injured at all. They really just like replaced him. Um, So I think they're kind of like in shambles right now. Uh, They kind of don't know what they want. Um, But I think, you know, two is the way to go moving forward. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get it together this year. Um, You know, I think you guys have a pretty good chance for it to be, you know, a pretty good competition. Yeah, he's to me. I mean, they they had another good draft again. I mean, they're Flores and the GM are doing a very good job right now of preparing the Dolphins to be successful in the future um, by getting draft picks. And they're they did the right thing again. Like it's now or never for Tua, right? Because I mean, basically they handed him more weapons and said, "Okay, here we go. Let's get him more weapons. Maybe that'll be the trigger." But I, I still think it's going to fall to him being able to throw the ball to the outside. I once he until he does that, I don't know that he's going to be successful in the NFL. And I feel like that's always just going to kind of hold him back. Yeah, I mean, and the one good thing is they were another team that reunited. Um, the offensive players. So right. that's always great to see, um, you know, not not for a Bills fan, but, um, you know, in the NFL, it's kind of cool to kind of bring these guys back. But, yeah, they killed it in the draft, man. They got a, some some really good players, like, right off the bat. Um, even, I think they traded up a bunch of times, though, because they only had, they only had, like, uh, seven picks, I think it yeah, was. They, they ended up moving around again. 
Uh, but it's to me, it's more even about like they've got I think two twos next year or two ones next year, and then two ones of the year after that still too. I think just from between Arizona and Houston and all that, and just moves they made again this year. So that they're set up to be a really really good football team if they can get it together. But it's always going to hinge on Tua for me until he shows me that he's capable of making all the throws. I'm I'm not sure that it matters how many weapons they put around him. But I think it's definitely going to be a challenge this season. There's even talk. Have you heard the rumble? that you know of course the Patriots are going to win the division again this year now because Bill Bill Belichick's mad and you know now that's just going to mean that he's going to win the division I mean isn't he always mad about something like get off my lawn so I mean I'm I wouldn't be you know too worried I I bet you guys were happy when Tom Brady left though like did you throw a party yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where it was just like, you know, you almost felt like a curse had been lifted, right? Or you just like, it, yeah, it, you and it, it's kind of crappy to to twofold though, really, because there is part of me still that really wishes we would have beat him, right? Like you want to you want to take a king down, you don't want him to like just walk away, right? I mean, so yeah. that part of it kind of sucks, but it. I do enjoy the division a lot more now that I feel like it's a lot more even playing field. Like I think mm-hmm. we're still probably the best team in the division, but it's getting a lot more competitive and it's a lot more competitive out of all four teams, which is more fun than just watching the Patriots kind of cruise every season. So that part of it to me is a lot of fun, but let's overall Kansas city still the best team in the AFC in your eyes. Are they still? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, they're going to come back with a vengeance. Um, I don't think they'll they'll succeed, but it'll be fun to watch. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think there's I think there's a good chance that it just may be the same Super Bowl that it was last year. Um, so uh, you know it's going to be fun to watch it play out. Um, I think that both of our teams have you know a little bit to go before they can be in the running to kind of take one of those positions. Right yeah, now, who yeah. else? Uh, who else do you think could challenge the Chiefs this year? I mean, the Browns have had a really good off season. They drafted well. They look like they have all the pieces in the right places to make decisions and make, you know, positive moves to move forward. But it's going to hinge on Baker, right? I mean, he's his ability to be successful and keep it together. I think is what's going to be their thing. But they've they've definitely got a high quality football team right now. I think, which feels no, really yeah. weird to say, but yes, the Cleveland Browns do have a very good football team. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, they keep getting, you know, they keep getting good guys, but I know that, um, that, uh, what's his name? That receiver Odell, Mm -hmm. he kind of doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, I mean, maybe his thoughts changed after, after the draft, but, or, or just like his attitude is always that way. Like I always have to overcome something that's not going on in my life. Um, (laughs) maybe that's like just his attitude all the time, but, um, that makes me a little nervous, but, uh, but yeah, overall, um, they're projected to win like nine games. Uh, so I know that that's going to be, that's going to be an interesting team to watch. It's, it's kind of funny, like when you see them winning games and you see their record, you're like, wow, times are really changing. Like it's kind of cool, right? Yeah. I was chatting with, uh, I forget who it was a couple of weeks back. I think it was uh, Troy King. I might've been talking to and uh, he is, he's a Dolphins fan. And we were just chatting how like, I never would have thought that like a couple probably even ever that I would say that there could be like a Bills Browns AFC championship game, right? Like it just felt, it would feel weird, right? That there'd be like this Lake Erie battle for the AFC yeah. championship, right? Like you would never yeah. have said in a million years, Bills Browns would be taking place anytime soon. 
So yeah. it's really exciting. I mean, it, it's like I've been telling everybody too this entire offseason. It's like whether we can beat Kansas City yet or not, I'm not sure. Right. I, I think we got better this offseason. We've done things to get better. It's not a lot better. I wouldn't say it's a ton better, but I think players can get better. Right. Which could help us get over the hump. But to me, it's more about just secure the division. Right. If you secure the division, you get a chance to be king. Right. That's it. You get it. You might not get them, but at least you guaranteed yourself a shot. So you have to just win the division and everything Brandon Bean does that I see, it looks like he's triggering it towards just winning our division. Right. He brings in big, tall, young, fast guys. We're now going to have three rookie quarterbacks in our division. Right. I mean, like or two has played in his second season, but he didn't play a full season. So we've got young quarterbacks in our division. Easy, easiest way to mess up young quarterbacks. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Right. Get them off their clock. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see. But I, I do think that the Bills have a good shot again this season. I think some of the other contenders should be like the Chargers, I think, are going to be. They could probably really press Kansas City this year a little bit, I think, especially having to play him twice during the regular season. Uh, that that makes things different. Yeah, actually, you guys actually have a pretty good shot of of getting there, especially with the, with those two defensive linemen you just picked up. I mean, already your defense was good. Um, so I kind of I kind of take back what I said before, where like you know maybe you guys aren't there yet. Like you're nothing like the Jaguars. You, you know, last year you guys did phenomenal, and Josh Allen's only getting better and better. Um, there's a good chance I think Baltimore is going to give you guys a good run. Um, yeah. You know, Lamar I think we hasn't get six been too or bad. Seven games against rookie quarterbacks this year too. I mean, we play you guys this year, so we're gonna we're yeah, gonna yeah, get, yeah. We're gonna get Lawrence or Taco. We might be the we might be one of the potential candidates to play in the London game, which would be a kind of a pain. But um, so yeah, yeah, we get him, and then of course we're gonna potentially get two against New England, depending on what happens there. I still think it's gonna be Cam this season. I don't I don't anticipate Mac Jones being in this season, but we'll see. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, uh, regarding our matchup, uh, the Buffalo is – I actually looked up the history between the Jags and Buffalo because there's a lot of history a couple of years ago uh, that was made. Um, but uh, just overall, you guys are, are up 9-8 to eight against nine the eight. Jaguars. So this can be the year we can tie it up. Tie it up. Jags, make, you know? make it – that's funny. That's yeah, because we don't actually play each other hardly that much, right? I mean, so yeah. But I'm I'm hoping that we don't get the London game. I don't really want to do the whole London thing, but I think I was reading too. It could be like Denver, San Fran, or us are like three of the teams that haven't been, uh, you know, in forever. Uh, so we would be the prime candidates for it. But so either way, so we both kind of yeah. agree. I Welcome think that Kansas City is still probably the top dog right now, right? And I think you have to keep the king at the top until somebody knocks him off, anyways, right? I mean, that's just. The right way to do it but i definitely think it would be more fun to not see a kansas city tampa bay super bowl again and to see somebody yeah. come up with something yeah like tom brady though you know it's just uh like i just i i i hate it but also i liked i like the fact that we are kind of witnessing history you know yeah. And, and it's kind of cool in a way, but I don't know how this guy does it. And, you know, Gronk was like, he, he was, he was a disappearing act in the playoffs. Like, honestly, they didn't even really need him. And then, you know, he makes three huge plays and they just win. And it's yeah, just he didn't like, even really do like that he, much for him throughout the whole season, realistically. I mean, he had a couple yeah. games where he stepped in and like was the guy, but like, yeah, he really didn't have, you know, that much going on either. Yeah. And I feel like they still have stuff up their sleeve, which is scary. Oh, yeah. 
Well, and they're and they're it's annoying that they can pretty much just like bring in whatever free agent they want right now and they'll just come at like some stupid low number, right? Because they know that they've got a shot to go actually win the Super Bowl, right? Which yeah, is and all pretty the, well. Yeah, yeah, and all these guys are like, Oh yeah, I'll take less money just so we can get another guy and it's like, ah, oh, it makes you so yeah. mad, like Remember Why are you guys AB, playing like a team? Stop. Yeah, AB would never accept $3.8 million, right, prior. He was always, show me the money, show me the money, and now it's like, yeah, whatever Tom said. Tom said how much? Yeah, okay, whatever. It, it took him a little bit. It took him a yeah. little bit. He tried to strong arm them, but, strong arm them, but it wasn't – it was never happening that they were going to give in. Like, they don't really even – they can replace Antonio Brown. So I think he realized that and was like, all right. Oh, well, I also okay. don't think that the NFC has a true challenger at this point. I mean, especially with Green Bay, like who know like they've got to solve the Aaron Rodgers snafu before we can even know who's going to be. If they don't have Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback for them, then take Green Bay out of the running, right? Like they're not mm-hmm. they're not going to be beating Tampa Bay anytime soon. I mean, one of the NFC West teams may be competitive, like a San Fran like, might make a run back say. or something, you know, like that. Um, but the NFC, you know, like it's going to be interesting. The Saints aren't going to be the Saints, really. I don't anticipate. Um, I'm not. Seattle. I don't know who else would really challenge them. Seattle, maybe. Yeah, I mean, nobody from the East, I don't think. The Giants, you know, it's not going to be dr- Redskins. I think might have a really good football team this year, um, but I don't know that they'd still be able to stop them. Offensively, I'd be interesting to see, but their defense is scary good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Seattle did. They had a pretty good record last year, right? Didn't they? Yeah, they did. They did all right, and I mean, who knows what's going on up there too? I mean, Russell was all off season, kind of like talking about wanting to be out of there, right? You know, like in yeah not really feeling happy there either so but anyways it's been a really fun chat with you so far and of course after the football session a little bit we'd like to get into the nerding out session a little bit and kind of uh pick the brain outside of the football a little bit and kind of uh go over just a few questions see what Lori likes to do a little bit in her free time and just see uh you know what she's up to a little bit so the first question for you is your favorite sports book or just like a book that you would recommend that you read or you know like something you're gonna read that somebody told you you know you should read you got something for us uh so there's um there's a book by Tony Dungy um that I really liked um Uncommon and also, there is a uh, a book on habits that actually uh, uh, had a lot of like sports references in it. Um, it's there are a couple like books on habits right now, um, but uh, on the football field, uh, Tony Dungy did a hell of a lot in order to get his team ready and like literally changing them as a, like being cohesive um, to really take them to like the AFC championship and everything like that. Um, And so there, there are some references in this book. Uh, I'm trying to find it right now. Um, But uh, it's, it's the one it's orange and there's like a little guy riding a bike on it. Um, Check out that habit book. Um, That's a, that one really kind of, changes your day to day to just be an overall better person, like with scheduling or which I still need work on. But, um, just in general, I, I really, really like that book. Cool. Have you read the, um, as I had a buddy of mine, uh, Joe Miller on, uh, uh like a couple weeks ago, have you read urban's book? 
Uh, no, I haven't. I just actually ordered it on Amazon, though. Yeah, he actually, uh, he that was the book he recommended. And it, uh, it's, I think it speaks a little bit to what you're talking about, like Tony's book about um, just becoming a team and like the leadership aspect of it and really you know, like doing everything for others and the other people around you and doing all that kind of stuff. Was Tony, in that book, is Tony talking mostly um, kind of about this is around like Peyton in the Marvin Harrison days and stuff? Uh, no, I think it was a little... It, it may have been before then a um, prior when to he that. was kind of, yeah, he was working on the defense and uh, it, he wanted to like change their thought process um, when they were in the game. So like, it was, uh, it was like, okay, when, when I'm dropping back in coverage, um, you know, his guys were thinking too much. And so he literally changed the way that they thought um, with like some of his coaching tactics. So I thought that was like so interesting uh, yeah, to cool. hear about what he did. Like to actually change the way that they think when they're on the field, so they don't second get to guess themselves, and it actually turned the whole defense around. It was amazing. Yeah, you actually you hear that quite a bit, right? Where they like they just want you want guys flying around. You don't want them, you know, thinking about what they're doing. You want them just flying around because they know where they're supposed to be, right? They just know where they're supposed to be, and they feel it, and they just go there and do it, right? So yeah, yeah, and it had cool. a lot to, to do check that like. Out. Yeah, it had a lot to do with like the psychological um, like aspects of forming a habit when when you're doing something. So you don't think about it anymore. You just kind of do it like you, you grab your keys before you walk out the door, like that type of thing. Um, and it's just like that, like see the ball go after like Bobby Boucher type of right, type of right. type of deal. So I thought that was like so cool um, and like an interesting read. I'm so glad I read that habit book. Cool. I like that one. That's a good one. Cool. Very cool. So that'll be in the show notes too for everybody. You know, the link will be in there for if you guys want to go check it out or whatever. You just click over to it and you guys can order it up yourselves. So uh, the next one. So especially for you, because you've played the game, um, what brought you to football or what, like what's the what really was like Lori's like, I just love football. You know, like what, what really brought Lori to the game? Uh, so when I was when I was younger, um, you know, I grew up in a suburb of Philadelphia. Um, so, uh, my mom and my family, they're all diehard Eagles fans. Um, my mom's boyfriend at the time used to actually sit on the couch, watch the game with face paint on. Like he, it's just like insane. So first it was like just the competitiveness and the competition and like the love of the game. And then, um, then my brother played football. Uh, and then I started getting into video games and I started playing a lot more Madden. And then when I was in college, I got recruited to play basketball and soccer. And, um, Honestly, like I ended up not even playing. I ended up just running cross country uh, because when I started to play football, um, when I actually started to play it, not just watch it, that's when I really fell in love with it. Like knowing that it was a chess game and knowing like how when you watch film, you can find tendencies and you can beat any it's literally any given Sunday. Um, any team can be any team if, if you put the right pieces in the right places. And that that in general, like just the philosophy of the game just made me fall in love with it. And and I'm never going to stop now. Just every football every single day. It's, it's on my mind. Um, and so I just I just love every aspect of the competition. You know, the fans, any team can win and then film like the actual chess of the game. It's just like every aspect of it. I love it. Yeah, people don't uh, really realize, you know, how in-depth football really is. I mean, the people that watch it, they get it right. And you can see what's going on. But, like, the depth and, like, because you would just be like, well, why can't they stop them? I mean, how many plays can there really be, right? Like, why can't they just know what they're doing over there, right? Like, how how can that team who you're studying – 
how can you not know everything that they're doing if you're studying them, right? Like where they have a billion plays, like, but the game is like, just you do it this way this time. And then the next time you do it this way and it changes it completely. Now the team has no idea what you're going to do the next time, because this time you went this way, this time you went this way, this way you you motioned this way this time and you went this way. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's so in depth and cool to really like, just see it. I don't know. I, I'm glad that you yeah. bring up that kind of, cause I, I like, I'm a nerd like that too. Right. Just, I'm like, I'm all about like the little tendencies. I a hundred percent love being able to like call a play before it's run and then they run the play. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, yeah, okay, like, this time in it. the game, this is what's going to happen. Right. He's going to run at the outside right here. Watch. Bam. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And there we go. Right. Um, yeah. I don't, have you ever read um, Pat Kerwin's book, uh, Take Your Eye Off the Ball? Uh, that, that's no, a cool, no, no. That's a cool one um, in the aspect that it teaches you to um, view football like the same way that you would score a baseball game. Right. And you can you can track the plays and you can track the formations and you can kind of predict what you would anticipate to see in the second half of this game if they ran it this many times, this many times and whatever. So I don't know. It's yeah. it's pretty cool. I, I never really had thought about viewing football as like as much as you would a baseball game, you know, writing down the doing the one nine and doing the three, four, five double play, doing all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, like. You, you can do that with football too. So that's a good one. Yeah. And you never check that one out too. You're, you're going to be doing that with the scouting Academy. Yeah, I know. So yeah, I'm kind of excited about that. So that's pretty cool. All right. So the next one is your favorite podcast. You can say your own, you can say your own, but if you're just hanging out or you're looking to listen to a podcast or something, what do you go to? Uh, so this one uh, is funny when I read it because I was like, man, should I say it? Like, cause I don't want to be like viewed as like a weirdo or anything, but um, I like this this podcast. It's it's, it's a called good opening. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. It's called Sword Sword and Scale. Okay. Um, it's it's a uh, it's it's not. I guess you could say like it's a crime podcast, but um, okay. the 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 host kind of he he specializes in like like monsters in real life. So like uh, like serial killers or like just the craziest stuff ever and he instead of going into the background of like you know what happened he goes to like the, the killer side of like this this killer side of it where he, he kind of gets into the mind of you know why he would do this or you know how he or she you know would you know act this way or kind of tells the story from years before an incident up until like the day that it happens and he goes really in depth into some gruesome gruesome things that that could give you nightmares it could literally put you in psychosis the things that i've heard like it's disgusting that people like real live monsters live among us and it's crazy that some of the stuff that I've heard actually really happened. Um, and so like, I've just, I don't know. I love this podcast though. The way that the guy tells the story too, sword and scale is definitely my favorite podcast. I, I re listen to episodes because I just, I love it so much. All right, cool. Uh, and I don't think that's weird. I mean, like, I think everybody loves like criminal minds and stuff like that. I mean, I watch that show over and over again, you know, some of that stuff, but it, it's uh, interesting to hear. It'd be cool to hear somebody else like tell the story about, you know, all the buildup leading up to it. Cause you don't really get that in criminal minds, right? You kind of just like, they give you like a little tidbit of the back or whatever, but so that's cool. Yeah. So, 
Sword and Scale. I got it. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to do it uh, early in the day, though, so I don't get nightmares, I guess, apparently. No, yeah, definitely don't, like, do it before you go to bed, because I've read a lot of comments, and some, some of those episodes, people can't even finish them because they're so, like gross like he he interviews the cops that see the crime scene that things you don't hear about in the newspaper you know those cops will say on this podcast and it's just like you know he'll read out transcripts he'll he'll show the record of the people talking about it he'll interview the people that did it it's it's crazy like yeah so don't don't listen to it before you go to sleep <laughs> i don't know that but I'm it's awesome listen to it at all now you're like almost yeah, scaring no. the shit out of me no it is though it is, it is because uh you know it's it's crazy it's crazy okay. with some of these okay. stories. All right. So uh, let's finish it up for the last question. Uh, just one play or just like one time that there was a flag that was thrown or just a player or just some kind of play that just sticks with you. You just you just think back to it and you're like, man, that was the worst friggin' play, the worst friggin' player or that flag. I mean, it was just terrible. What sticks with you? Uh, uh, I'm going to be kind of cliche uh, on this one. Uh, the Jaguars played the Patriots uh, in 2017, and the I would say one of the drives in, I think it was like either the third quarter or the fourth quarter, um, the Jaguars were up um, by, you know, multiple amount of points. I don't remember the score, um, but they actually went into halftime with like a 14-point lead back in 2017, and, um, and uh, Miles Jack stripped – um, I think it was Gronk. Uh, he ran up to him, stripped him, uh, didn't really touch the ground, and he ran into the end zone, but they called him down on the play. And so uh, it's hashtag Miles Jack was not down uh, because I think we would have won that game if uh, the refs didn't blow that call. There's it's there's a lot of little things like that. I brought up a couple of weeks ago, the one where I don't know if you saw it in the, the Bills-Texans uh, game in the playoffs a couple years back where he, like, was the kickoff in the second half he like comes out of the end zone a little bit and just drops the ball and they call it a touchback right the bills pick it up and walk it into the end zone and they're like yeah that's a touchdown right and they're like no he because he like never went down to the knee he like he was in the end zone so he but he never went down to the knee he kind of just like he just held his hand out and dropped the ball so they never like did the whole like don't touch him. Mm-hmm. They never did any of that, right? They just were like, he just drops the ball. The Bills pick it up, and we're like, that's a touchdown, right? Like he, yeah, it is. He never did, and they were like, no, 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 no. They took it back. So that one sticks with me to this day too. But very cool. So I can't thank you enough, Lori. Uh, you know, for coming on. I know you're busy doing all sorts of other things right now between your own podcast, your writing, and your YouTube channel, and all that kind of stuff. But before we close out, is there anything else that you want to shout out? Anything you got coming up? Any projects you're working on? anything that you want everybody to know about uh so i um <clears throat> i recently joined usa today the wires uh so i i was with uh, the draft wire and i had some draft profiles so if if any of you guys um you know really like a player want to know a little bit more about them uh definitely check out the draft wire and there may be a couple profiles that i did on them um i also just uh, came out with a uh, trevor lawrence and urban meyer passing offense what kind of what they're going to do this upcoming year um and then i have uh, something coming out on Kadarius tony uh with the nfl wire uh so you can check me out on there and uh also my youtube channel ponytails talking pigskin so uh, and also on twitter my uh, my handle is right down below so yeah give me a follow and 
That's about it. Yeah. And of course, all that stuff will be in the show notes too. I'll have everything down there so you guys can easily find or just connect to all that stuff. Uh, it's very cool. I, I like the... I'm digging more obviously into, you know, the player looking at the player, like how they, they are evaluated in the game and everything like that. So it's a uh, very cool and exciting stuff to draft wire is cool. I've read quite a bit of stuff over there too. It's interesting to really look at a prospect in a different way. So very exciting. Thanks again for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Uh, once again, all the uh, cure CP stuff will also be in the show notes. So you guys can go over there and check them out. Uh, and of course, thanks for being here. Uh, you know, the show doesn't exist if nobody's listening to it. So everybody that's listening in, you know, thanks for listening in. Um, if you guys want to support the show, uh, you can head over to the Patreon page, you know, and sign up over there. You'll get everything sent to you, you know, directly in your email and everything. So you don't have to hunt it down. Uh, and here in the future, you guys are going to be able to join on like the live shows and do all that kind of stuff uh, as we go live uh, moving forward. And of course, uh, you know, over at the shop, got some T-shirts and stuff. If you guys pick any of that stuff up, I'm going to be donating, you know, that money over to the Cerebral Palsy Foundation, you know, this year. So thanks again for listening in, guys. I love you. Be safe out there. Make sure everybody's masking up. Uh, go Bills. We'll let her say go Jags. Go Jags. All right. And <laughs> thanks for being here, guys. Hey everybody, wanted to take a moment to uh, chat up the Action Children Business Fair again. Uh, they sponsored the show a couple of weeks ago. That's a great thing that they're doing. It takes you guys about 10 minutes to apply. You can set up a fair in as little as three hours, and you don't need very much to do it. A table, some lawn chairs, and your friends and family. You can also set this thing up for free. Uh, they'll even chip in $500 prize money if you set one up. So head over to podcast.childrensbusinessfair.org. Again, that's podcast.childrensbusinessfair.org to check out what they're up to over there at the Action Children's Business Fair. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.